Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. And away we go. Happy to have you with us. I'm Wendy Next with Tom Luganville and Desmond Howard coming up on College Football Live. Des weighs in, or tees off, should I say, on the issue of targeting in college football. But we start with what happens to be the game of the week as we look ahead to week three and in college football, but it's also in an NFL stadium. Notre Dame at number 12 taking on number 18 Wisconsin in Soldier Field in Chicago. Irish quarterback Jack Cohn who transferred in from Wisconsin said this week it will be weird to go up against his former school over the weekend. Here's a look at Jack Cohn's splits between his time at Wisconsin and Notre Dame. In three seasons with the Badgers, Cohn went 12-6 and six as a starter with a QBR just under 76 through his first three games at Notre Dame. The signal caller undefeated with eight touchdown passes and averaging over 270 yards, pass yards per game. Tom, I'll start with you. What are your expectations for Jack Cohn against his former team? Uh, to be mature enough not to let things that he can't control seep into his mind. I know he's got former friends, teammates, maybe relationships with coaches strained or otherwise when you depart from a place. And you can't let any of those personal feelings interfere with your preparation, your focus. All you care about right now is completing passes, getting first downs, making the right checks, moving the chains, and scoring points. Notre Dame is your only concern. If he does that, I think he's going to have a big day, and I think he's proven so far this year that he's more than just a game manager type of player. Now he's got a chance versus Wisconsin to show that he could be a difference maker. Yeah, you're right about that, Lou. I think he's going to deal with some anxiety early because, you know, these are his former teammates, and he's going to want to go yeah. out there and play well, play very well. But Brian Kelly is going to manage the game in a way that Jack Cohn is going to be able to just calm down, give the ball to Kyrie Williams, take what the defense gives him, and then if something happens up down the field that's explosive, then I'm sure that Cohn would take advantage of it, just like on that throw right there when he came in the game and, uh, and won a week ago, too, against Toledo. So I think that Jack Cohn's feelings, emotions, they'll be at a high level at the beginning of the game, but once the dust settles, he calms down, it'll just be the same Jack Cohn we've seen in the previous three games. It's only natural, right? Human nature to have some feeling, some emotion. But to your point, Des, once that game gets going, you really you keep it between the lines and, and he'll be focused, you would think, on football. Meanwhile, you have to wonder what's going on on the other sideline. Let's talk just a bit about the quarterback for Wisconsin, and that's Graham Murth. Cohn, uh, he replaced Cohn last year as the starter, and he's had a slow start for the Badgers, one and one in two games. He's yet to throw a touchdown pass. But he has, Des, thrown two interceptions. So what do you want to see, or maybe I should say what has to improve for Mertz this weekend? Wendy, I think that for Mertz to, to, to play a, a better game than we've seen so far, I think that it starts with his mental preparation. I think last year, don't forget, this kid came on the scene and pitched almost a perfect game. I think he had one incompletion, five touchdown throws, and zero interceptions in his first game. He was on fire. But that's because the expectations were very low. No one really knew what to expect from him. Now defenses, they have film, and the expectations are really, really high. I think that he's mentally not into the game like he was a year ago as far as the confidence factor. It's different when you can go out there and just play the game, no expectations to have fun, but now when people expect you to be great or they expect you to start off the same way you did a year
year ago, then things start to tighten up, and then you start playing mind games with yourself. I think if, if Graham Mertz just start to calm down, relax, and be himself, I think Luke and Bill, he'll be fine. Yeah, and I think it starts with the little things. If you go back against Penn State and you looked at a couple of botched snaps and exchanges, all right, those are little technical things. Those are practicable things. Then you saw two um, intentional grounding penalties. He's got to have better awareness of his surroundings and where he's going with the football. I just think he needs to be more dialed in on the simple fundamentals. With Graham Mertz, it's not a physical attributes deficit. This is probably, outside of Russell Wilson, the most physically gifted quarterback that Paul Christ has recruited and coached at Wisconsin, but he has to start to produce. There's, there's no doubt. And keep in mind, the reason why Jack Cohn's not there is because of Jack Mertz. Or Graham Mertz. So Graham Mertz better start performing. Well, it sounds like some mind games or mental makeup will come into play for both these quarterbacks on the weekend. Uh, Des, safe travels. We'll know college game day will be in Chicago as well. Certainly all eyes uh, on Chicago and that game this weekend. Let's keep talking about quarterbacks, and we'll go out west USC, of course, with an interim head coach still looking to fill that role, but right now they've got a quarterback question. Keaton Slovis took first team reps at QB at USC practice yesterday. He actually left the game last week with a neck injury. He was replaced by freshman Jackson Dart. Dart, however, then injured his knee in relief and then he missed practice. And as I mentioned, Slovis was injured in that game against Washington State last week, giving way to Dart. Dart as the Trojans QB. The true freshman tossed four touchdown passes in the 45 to 14 win along with a QBR of 69 against the Cougars. Lukes, listen, the, the question, of course, is who's healthy, but assuming for just a minute that both quarterbacks were healthy, which one gives the Trojans a better chance to win? Well, the bigger sample size would lead you to say it's Keaton Slovis. And I think with the fragility of this program right now in its current state, if you decide off of a knee-jerk reaction and, a, and one performance to go with Jackson Dart, it's tough to go back. So you now know what Jackson Dart gives you. You know how productive he was. Those who, uh, who followed him throughout his high school career knew that USC was getting a really physically gifted player. But Keaton Slowis gives you more stability. There's more of a sample size. I think you go back with him. He's healthy and he can go. You know what Jackson Dart can do. So if a change has to be made based on a lack of production, you go right to Jackson Dart and you feel comfortable with it. It's easy to come off of last weekend, you guys, and, you know, and love the backup quarterback. Everybody does. But I also think you got to tap the brakes here just a little bit. Get back on track with Keaton Slovis, who, listen, is 14-6 and six as a starter. He was the Offensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12. He was a first-team All-Pac-12 selection. There's a lot of proof in the pudding there. The backup quarterback, always the most popular player on the field. You know that. It's just how it works. But you get to make that change once. You can't be, you can't be going back and forth. So, again, perhaps pumping the brakes a little bit is good advice. Uh, speaking of advice, we, we want to tell you, as a friendly reminder, college football fans, you want to go now to at ESPN CFB on social, vote for your favorite town in the football town showdown presented by Shell. Still ahead on College Football Live, Miami and Florida State. Oof. Off to rough starts at combined one and five. What are the biggest issues facing the Canes and the Knolls? Plus, we've seen some very questionable targeting calls in college football this season, some of which perhaps change the outcome of the game. We'll talk about how that rule needs to change going forward. College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. 
Welcome to College Football Live, presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. And away we go. Happy to have you with us. I'm Wendy Next with Tom Luganville and Desmond Howard coming up on College Football Live. Des weighs in, or tees off, should I say, on the issue of targeting in college football. But we start with what happens to be the game of the week as we look ahead to week three and in college football, but it's also in an NFL stadium. Notre Dame at number 12 taking on number 18 Wisconsin in Soldier Field in Chicago. Irish quarterback Jack Cohn who transferred in from Wisconsin said this week it will be weird to go up against his former school over the weekend. Here's a look at Jack Cohn's splits between his time at Wisconsin and Notre Dame. In three seasons with the Badgers, Cohn went 12 and 6 as a starter with a QBR just under 76 through his first three games at Notre Dame. The Signal Caller undefeated with eight touchdown passes and averaging over 270 yards, pass yards per game. Tom, I'll start with you. What are your expectations for Jack Cohn against his former team? Uh, to be mature enough not to let things that he can't control seep into his mind. I know he's got former friends, teammates, maybe relationships with coaches strained or otherwise when you depart from a place. And you can't let any of those personal feelings interfere with your preparation, your focus. All you care about right now is completing passes, getting first downs, making the right checks, moving the chains, and scoring points. Notre Dame is your only concern. If he does that, I think he's going to have a big day, and I think he's proven so far this year that he's more than just a game manager type of player. Now he's got a chance versus Wisconsin to show that he could be a difference maker. Yeah, you're right about that, Luz. I think he's going to deal with some anxiety early because, you know, these are his former teammates, and he's going to want to go yeah. out there and play well, play very well. But Brian Kelly is going to manage the game in a way that Jack Cohn is going to be able to just calm down, give the ball to Kyrie Williams, take what the defense gives him, and then if something happens up down the field that's explosive, then I'm sure that Cohn would take advantage of it, just like on that throw right there when he came in the game and, uh, and won a week ago, too, against Toledo. So I think that Jack Cohn's feelings, emotions, they'll be at a high level at the beginning of the game, but once the dust settles, he calms down, it'll just be the same Jack Cohn we've seen in the previous three games. It's only natural, right? Human nature to have some feelings, some emotion. But to your point, Des, once that game gets going, you really you keep it between the lines and, and he'll be focused, you would think, on football. Meanwhile, you have to wonder what's going on on the other sideline. Let's talk just a bit about the quarterback for Wisconsin, and that's Graham Murth. Cone, uh, he replaced Cone last year as the starter, and he's had a slow start for the Badgers. One and one in two games. He's yet to throw a touchdown pass. But he has, Des, thrown two interceptions. So what do you want to see, or maybe I should say what has to improve for Mertz this weekend? Wendy, I think that for Mertz to, to, to play a, a better game than we've seen so far, I think that it starts with his mental preparation. I think last year, don't forget, this kid came on the scene and pitched almost a perfect game. I think he had one incompletion, five touchdown throws, and zero interceptions in his first game. He was on fire. But that's because the expectations were very low. No one really knew what to expect from him. Now defenses, they have film, and the expectations are really, really high. 
high. I think that he's mentally not into the game like he was a year ago as far as the confidence factor. It's different when you can go out there and just play the game, no expectations, and have fun. But now when people expect you to be great or they expect you to start off the same way you did a year ago, then things start to tighten up and then you start playing mind games with yourself. I think if, if Graham Mertz just start to calm down, relax, and be himself, I think Luganville, Luke, he'll be fine. Yeah, and I think it starts with the little things. If you go back against Penn State and you looked at a couple of botched snaps and exchanges, all right, those are little technical things. Those are practicable things. Then you saw two um, intentional grounding penalties. He's got to have better awareness of his surroundings and where he's going with the football. I just think he needs to be more dialed in on the simple fundamentals. With Graham Mertz, it's not a physical attributes deficit. This is probably, outside of Russell Wilson, the most physically gifted quarterback that Paul Christ has recruited and coached at Wisconsin, but he has to start to produce. There's, there's no doubt, and keep in mind, the reason why Jack Cohn's not there is because of Jack Mertz. Or Graham Mertz. So Graham Mertz better start performing. Well, it sounds like some mind games or mental makeup will come into play for both these quarterbacks on the weekend. Uh, Des, safe travels. We'll know college game day will be in Chicago as well. Certainly all eyes uh, on Chicago and that game this weekend. Let's keep talking about quarterbacks, and we'll go out west, USC, of course, with an interim head coach still looking to fill that role, but right now they've got a quarterback question. Keaton Slovis took first-team reps at QB at USC practice yesterday. He actually left the game last week with a neck injury. He was replaced by freshman Jackson Dart. Dart, however, then injured his knee in relief, and then he missed practice. And as I mentioned, Slovis was injured in that game against Washington State last week, giving way to Dart. Dart as the Trojans QB. The true freshman tossed four touchdown passes in the 45 to 14 win along with a QBR of 69 against the Cougars. Lukes, listen, the, the question, of course, is who's healthy, but assuming for just a minute that both quarterbacks were healthy, which one gives the Trojans a better chance to win? Well, the bigger sample size would lead you to say it's Keaton Slovis. And I think with the fragility of this program right now in its current state, if you decide off of a knee-jerk reaction and, a, and one performance to go with Jackson Dart, it's tough to go back. So you now know what Jackson Dart gives you. You know how productive he was. Those who, uh, who followed him throughout his high school career knew that USC was getting a really physically gifted player. But Keaton Slowis gives you more stability. There's more of a sample size. I think you go back with him. He's healthy and he can go. You know what Jackson Dart can do. So if a change has to be made based on a lack of production, you go right to Jackson Dart and you feel comfortable with it. It's easy to come off of last weekend, you guys, and, you know, and love the backup quarterback. Everybody does. But I also think you got to tap the brakes here just a little bit, get back on track with Keaton Slovis, who, listen, is 14-6 and six as a starter. He was the Offensive Player of the Year in the Pac-12. He was a first-team All-Pac-12 selection. There's a lot of proof in the pudding there. The backup quarterback, always the most popular player on the field. You know that. It's just how it works. But you get to make that change once. You can't be, you can't be going back and forth. So, again, perhaps pumping the brakes a little bit is good advice. Uh, speaking of advice, we, we want to tell you, as a friendly reminder, college football fans, you want to go now to at ESPN CFB on social, vote for your favorite town in the football town showdown presented by Shell. Still ahead on College Football Live, Miami and Florida State. Oof. Off to rough starts at combined one and five. What are the biggest issues 
facing the Canes and the Knolls. Plus, we've seen some very questionable targeting calls in college football this season, some of which perhaps changed the outcome of the game. We'll talk about how that rule needs to change going forward. College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings.
Welcome back to College Football Live, presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Rolling in them fellas, but you're too tame. I ain't for the south, but I appreciate the wood grain. Never calling me about the north, it's only two. Man, I'm in the same building, but the flows and view change. I ain't for the waiting now. I bought a Rari and I did it just say. Tough times in the state of Florida over the weekend. Florida State fell to 0-3. That was after a 35-14 drubbing to Wake Forest. The Knolls haven't been 0-3 since 1976. Bobby Bowden's first year as head coach. And you know what? How about Miami? De'Ara King injured as well. Miami also struggling. I, the question, Lugs, you banned it earlier. Is Miami back? I think... At least for now, we don't have to ban it because we know the answer. How about Miami recruiting? Take a look at this. Over the last five seasons, the Hurricanes have finished in the top four of the ACC, according to the annual ESPN 300 recruiting rankings. Miami also has had three of those classes rank in the top 15 of the SBS in that span. So it, it's interesting. Um, both, it, both, both of these schools, both of these storied programs, Des, having issues, some of them almost don't, don't make sense. But let's start with Miami and what you're seeing from the Hurricanes. I tell you what, Wendy, when I watch the Hurricanes play, you know, there's um, such a, a lack of effort out there by guys. I'm not just talking about just general basic effort. I'm talking about, like, championship effort. It's almost like these guys, they show up in Coral Gables, and they just think that because this program is historically a strong program, that they're just going to fall into place and roll their hammers out there and be the Canes and be the U. It seems like they're more um, – more about the the symbolism than substance. You know, things like the turnover chain. That was really cool for about a year and a half. But then after that, you guys got to get out there and start playing ball again <laughs> and start to win games. So it seems like the, the thing is about, it's so much about symbolism lose as opposed to substance. And, and they're not living up to the, the, the expectations based on their stars, whether they're four stars or five stars, and their recruiting classes. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have said it better. And it, it begs the question, why are kids going to Miami? Do they think that being a part of Miami's program is a fast track to the NFL? Is it because it's a symbol of individualism? Because it doesn't seem to me like these athletes, who are very good athletes, and were all recruited by a Florida, a Clemson, a Georgia, Alabama, it doesn't seem to me like they're going there for the pride of making the University of Miami a national championship program. You look at this turnover chain and all of this. I go back to the, the uh, Miami-Alabama game the first week of the season, and they are getting thumped. They get a turnover, and they're running over, and they're hooting and hollering on the sideline about a stupid chain. Forget the chain. How about you start playing football to a championship level? Uh, th that, to me, it, you're, you're so right. It's, it's a lack of substance. It's style. It, it's all of this sort of thing. And when it comes to their current play, last week, 59 pass attempts, all right? 52 yards rushing for the Miami offense. I don't care who you're playing. That's not the recipe for success. And Des, they become a terrible football team on defense when it comes to tackling. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, guys, you know, when I said it doesn't make sense, what to some degree I meant the recruiting. I mean, there are athletes. I mean, yeah. you can't throw a baseball and not hit one in Florida, for heaven's sake. And some of those guys are coming <laughs> to these schools to play. So there is a disconnect somewhere. Uh, take a look at what we see from Florida State with 
with regards to recruiting? Because, again, we know that's the lifeblood of college football. The Seminoles have finished with a top-four recruiting class in the ACC in four of the five last seasons. However, Florida State finished with the seventh-best class in the conference this year, their lowest finish among ACC teams in the ESPN 300 era. And, Lugs, listen, I'll ask you the same question, but this time about Florida State. What are the major issues here? Well, you take a look at that graphic going all the way back to the 2017 recruiting class. The problem is, if you go do the math, nobody's still there. They've either been run off or dismissed, or they've entered the transfer portal. Very few of those players are either providing depth, or worse yet, are starters for the Florida State Seminoles right now. So Mike Norvell comes into this program, and he's got to put a Band-Aid on the Titanic. I mean, how are you supposed to be able to stop uh, th th this type of sinking when you're going out in the transfer portal and you're trying to patchwork this thing together to come up with the full gamut of an 85-man roster. I think it interferes with your locker room, your team chemistry. They don't have any foundation. And that's one of the reasons why going forward, Des, they have no choice but to ride this thing out and hopefully salvage the 2022 2023 and 2024 recruiting classes so at least they have a foundation to build the program upon. Lugs, man, you hit the nail on the head with the foundation. They have not yet built a foundation up there, so they don't have an identity. You're looking right. at a program without an identity. And don't forget, the Seminoles, they used to be one of the, the best teams in all of college football. You knew who they were. You knew what they were about. Mike Norvell, I believe, is a really good coach. But you can't tell by the product that's on the field. I mean, when you lose to Jacksonville State, in the way that they lost that game, it's inexcusable. Because you have better athletes on the field. I know you're better coached than that. For them to give up that long touchdown at the end of the game to lose to Jacksonville State, I was like, man, this is really not only a testament on the coach, but more so, in my opinion, as a former player, when do you take the pride in yourself to produce a better product on the field every time you line up? That's, to me what this is all about. You got to have pride in the uniform, but you also got to have pride in yourself and what you put on film for people to see. And you know what, Daz? The coach can only do so much. He sets the tone, he builds the culture, but at some point, everybody on that field has got to look at themselves and say, you know what, it's gut check time. Uh, right now, though, it is time for What's Your Beef? Brought to you by Old Trapper. We get all jazzed up for this, Lugs. We're going to let you in. Tee you up first. What, what's bugging you this week? My, my beef is the Alabama fan base because, to my recollection, Alabama uh -oh. won the game last weekend, right? Um, they went into the swamp, hostile environment, the 11th-ranked team, wasn't ideal conditions, uh, tough crowd to deal with, and they won the game, all right? This is good for Alabama, Alabama fans. Trust me. Take it all in. There will come a time, and I hope it's not soon, because I think for college football and for you Alabama fans, college football is better when Alabama is great. But there will come a time where you will not have these times. And it's okay to not play your best all the time. It gives Nick Saban and his staff tremendous opportunities and tremendous coaching points to get this football team better and back on track. So how they won last week is actually a good thing. I told you, Lugs, it does not count if you're Alabama and you don't win by 35. So that's, know. you know, it's a different kind of win uh, for, for the Crimson Tide. All right, Des, I, I hesitate to ask, uh, what's, what got you worked up? Oh, I tell you what, when if there's one thing that gets my blood boiling, it's these targeting <laughs> calls. And listen, 
I'm all for player safety. I want to protect the guy getting hit and the guy doing the hitting. But in the Penn State game, I mean, it's one of the worst calls I've ever seen. This guy's about to try to score a touchdown. The defender, you see he leads with his shoulder. And they caught targeting on that play. And, Wendy, the excuse was, and this is what the guy told Kirk Herbstreit live on air. He said when a player is on the ground or on his way to the ground, he's a defenseless player. I'm like, are you kidding me? That is the dumbest excuse I've ever heard, the dumbest rationale, because have you ever seen a player on his way to the ground and then he put his hand down and he keeps his balance and he gains more yards or he scores? So that was ridiculous to me. I understand. Safety first. But that play and to kick that young man out the game, to kick him out the game. And you can see the rule was because the guy's trying to lead with the crown of their head, right? This young man led with his shoulder, and they still kicked him out of the damn game. The, man, the, the young man sat there and cried because these players, they worked their asses off to be able to play in that type of game, in that type of environment, and it was taken away from them just like that for some ridiculous call. Desmond, I had the exact same situation happen last week in my game between Indiana and Cincinnati. And Micah McFadden, third-team All-American, the best player, the heart and soul of Indiana's defense, gets hit for this targeting call right here as he sandwiches the quarterback. And he kind of gets pushed into him by a blocker. No malicious intent. He's rushing the passer. He's got his hands up. He's trying to block the ball. And when that play happened, Indiana was never the same. It took all the air out of the stadium. It took away all of their momentum. Here's my issue with all of this, is we're adding the death penalty onto the life sentence. The entire reason for this thing being enacted was to curb behavior, change habits, right? Change how we teach tackling, change how we approach tackling. How do we teach practice in tackling so that we are more fundamentally sound and we are safer? And you know what? The coaches and the players have done their job. Now, we all understand if there's a spearing, if there's something malicious, then there's no place for that in the game. We need to move that player off the field. But that's not what we're seeing. These kids and coaches have adapted. All right, You're going to have bang-bang plays. You're going to have momentum plays. That's part of football. We need to move away from the ejection. I'm okay with the penalty, but the ejection's got to go. The deterrent has happened. It's better. You know what, guys? I think we can all agree there are certain hits, certain plays where it's a no-brainer and nobody's arguing against that. But you know, at the end of the day, it is a contact sport. And unless right. they've changed that, and they haven't, last I checked, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is to, to some extent. Uh, but again, uh, thank you both for your humble opinions. Uh, we appreciate it. Still to come on College Football Live, we've got Arkansas and Texas A&M. They are set to clash at Jerry's World in Dallas. We'll explain how the Hogs' defense could be the key to an upset. College Football Live is presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. Saturday Night Football is in Norman this week. The West Virginia Mountaineers face Heisman hopeful quarterback Spencer Rattler and number four Oklahoma 730 Eastern on ABC and the ESPN app. 
It's a battle of SEC undefeated though at Jerry's World this weekend in Arlington, Texas, number seven. Texas A&M faces off against number 16 Arkansas. The Hogs 3-0 for the first time since 2016, but A&M has won the last nine games in this series. They're currently favored by five and a half points. The Razorbacks' defense has been stout, leading the way so far, ranking in the top five of the SEC in multiple categories, most notably Arkansas holding opponents to a 28% conversion rate on third down, the third best mark in the conference. Uh, listen, Luke, how much of a problem could this Arkansas defense pose? A bigger problem than I initially thought going back and looking at Arkansas versus Texas as I prepare for Texas this weekend. I came away so much more impressed than I thought I would be with their defensive prowess. This is an active team. They run to the football. They're stout. If I am Arkansas, I'm saying, all right, Zach Calzada, we're going to stop Spiller. We're going to stop Smith, and we're going to force you to throw the football to beat us. And if you can, by all means, but we're not letting you run it on us. Yeah, that's the recipe. Anytime you're going up against a young quarterback without a lot of experience, just like Hudson Carr for Texas, what you want to do is stop the run. That's what they did against the Longhorns. They bottled up B. John Robinson. He had less than 70 yards on the day, and then they came after Hudson Carr. They're going to do exactly the same thing against Zach Calzada and that offense. They're going to make sure that he's the guy who has to beat them with the throw. How are they going to do that? First order of the day, stop Isaiah Spiller. Make sure you control him, and then blitz the hell out of this young quarterback. <laughs> Listen, guys, you know, I, the college football season flies, right? It's a, it's a short season, Lukes, but is it fair to say this weekend is sort of an inflection point for a, for a lot of teams? Is this where we see who goes in which direction? I think we have to just because we're seeing a lot of conference play and we haven't seen consistency week in and week out from teams. Been ups and downs, kind of like a roller coaster. We need to start seeing more steady consistency. Hopefully we'll see it, see it here in week four. I agree with Lucas. That consistency, it'll get you every time. Dad yeah. safe travels to Chicago. Thank you. Uh, we look forward to college game day. We look forward to college football live, 430 Eastern tomorrow. See you then.